Save that the podcast for your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. And joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. Okay, if you insist. Also joining us, Jed Brew, the director of Mission USA Productions. Greetings. Joining us all the way from Rutgers, Tennessee, one of the pastor Christ Media Church, Lee Younger. People, I have to say, I just got back from Chicago and it was one of the more comfortable places weather wise that I've been in a long time. Woo! That, that, that is just a lie. Is because no, it was. It was a good seventy degrees and sunny. Literally. The day they drove out of town, it was 90 degrees and raining. <laughs> the day before they got to town, it was 45 degrees and, degrees and raining. raining. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh, no, there was a moment yesterday when there was a tornado warning, a heat stroke warning, a flash flood warning all at the same time. <laughs> But when Lee and his group were up here, it was 75 degrees and sunny just to make us look like jerks. Well, yeah, I, think, <laughs> I feel like it's just really lovely up there. I mean, my experience of Chicago is just a really lovely, pleasant place to be. Well, really? No, no problems at all, huh? This leads to me. This leads to when you guys find out I kidnapped Lee and made him come up here during January. Now you'll know why. <laughs> this, this podcast has the best weather info. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is the best weather. This is where you come for weather. There. We got weather on the ones. <laughs> Traffic on the eights. Traffic. It's probably bad. We don't know where you live, but you know. <laughs> but Lee, you would say your time up here is just totally smooth, just nothing noteworthy, pleasant. You know, just well, that may be because Brother Lee was inside when some things happened. Mm, but he well, did was... bring some earnest <laughs> Christian young white children with him. Who got an experience. Mostly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and on that, I declare a story time emergency. Ooh, that's wow. really the best kind. Wow. Do we have like a chime sound or something to begin story time? We need no, the no, we don't. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. We have no production elements on this show because I'm the one who has to edit it. Uh, if you want to just do them, that's fine. As long as I don't have to do them in post. And no, there's no post. We, we don't fix any <laughs> of the no post posts. on this. If you've been listening to this for any amount of time, <laughs> it's clear there's no post or pre. <laughs> no post. L- listen to this next part with sort of uh, a, 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 uh, a a heavy gauze sure, filter. Sepia. Yeah. You know, yeah. Just, yeah. Just right. listen to it with that in mind. I love it. So as Lee's been doing for many, many years, he brought up a young a group of high school and college kids to be what we at the bridge call our host team. We right. have one every week. Normally it's from a church right here in Chicago. And they do our greeting for us. They serve a meal. They sit and encourage the guys. It's a really critical part. If you listen to our um, bridge podcast episode where we talked about the history of the bridge here, you hear Glenn's wife, Jane, she runs the host team bit, talk a little bit about kind of the theory and the idea. Very important part, very critical part we do. Lee right. brings his high school and college kids. They always do a great job. A little bit of background. Actually, that's how I met uh, Glenn and Jed was being a college leader on one of those trips. So it's, it's a long and storied tradition. Would you describe it as a tradition unlike any other? Absolutely would. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> then, this time happened. Hmm. So we have the children standing out in front of the church in one of the worst neighborhoods and one of the most dangerous cities in America. Yeah. <laughs> We've never had any incident, though. It's fine. Right. Um, so they're sound, they're greeting people as they come in, and we have a gentleman who wants to come in. You may, be, you may have noticed the word once. <laughs> 
that's a very critical issue here. Right. He he had come in a couple of weeks ago and it comported himself in such a way that he was asked to no longer be inside. <laughs> he was escorted out. It happens very rarely at the bridge, but it does happen. And uh, You have to remember to use your, your inside voice when you're inside <laughs> and your yes. outside voice when you're outside. You have to remember right. not to square up and go nose to nose with Jed. Yes, that's also true. And say, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> <laughs> and leading to, uh, this is a quiet diversion, but... One of my favorite things I've ever heard Jed Brewer say out loud, and I'd like to act this out. Please do. As Jed tells the gentleman we're going to have to leave and says. Uh, I'm, I'm going to have to call the cops on you. You don't have to do that. Yes, but I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> if you've ever seen a semantic argument with a drugged up person in front of a church, that was it. So this fellow decided, you know what? I'm going to try again. Right. Came brought, back and uh, going to reassert himself. Double or nothing. Yep. He brought someone with him. Glenn, who did he bring with him? This drug dealer. <laughs> if, you, if you're going to come to church high, you know what? Bring your drug dealer with you. Absolutely. Now, to be fair, unlike this brother, the drug dealer was contrite and apologetic and, as he explained what? Well, he was he was contrite, apologetic, and stone cold sober. Yeah. Yes, that's true. As he explained how he had uh, come across... A certain amount of uh, medical grade uh, morphine. To his, use his exact words. I found. <laughs> yes, he found it. He totally found it and and sold it to this brother, who the drug dealers in the neighborhood had decided really shouldn't be sold any more drugs. I mean, that's the thing when the, when the drug dealers when you get say, cut yeah, off. "Yeah, I, I I think you don't know how to handle yourself, so we're we're just not going to." you know, earn our living off of you. It's a little rough. Uh, And he was complaining that he couldn't get high to this particular brother. He he found some... Have I got a deal for you? He found some morphine. And apparently it was like, like, holy cow... I think it's like you're supposed to dilute it or something. It was well, like, you know, horse well, tranquilizer, To hear the, uh, the dealer tell it, this is I don't think this was on the label, but the dealer's particular instructions were, once you take this, just stay in your house. Yeah, don't leave your <laughs> house. Don't yeah, walk you around should, anywhere. Yeah. This dude not only decided not to stay in his house, decided to try going to church. That's right. So, yeah, he, he showed up uh, uh, with, with the, the, the drug dealer. Well, and the, the drug dealer was trying to apologize for his behavior previously, the previous the drug week. was taking responsibility for this dude's behavior last time because he had sold him the stuff. Right. So, which is not usually what you expect. Uh, you know, it's really quite responsible behavior for a drug dealer. If, if 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 here's the thing: so many people listen to this podcast and say, you know, these guys know how to cut through the theology of the most extreme or bizarre <laughs> situations. It's from dealing with things like this. Yeah. You know, the, seeing extreme and bizarre. Yeah. So we're not quite sure what to do with the with the the guy who because you want to tell the drug dealer don't do that that's bad, but he's already telling you I shouldn't have done it. I mean, yeah. clearly he it was uh, wrong. It was wrong. It really <laughs> takes the wind out of the sails a bit. Yes, yeah, so we're like, well, uh, well then, right? Don't <laughs> anymore, please. Um, you know. So, uh, uh, well then, but he had brought the guy back. I guess to apologize or something, but sure. he had gotten him high again. Sure. Well, you want to be relaxed for the big apology. Absolutely. <laughs> Take the edge off. 
So, I mean, way off. Yeah, really. Well, and yeah, I keep it loose. So, some of our listeners may not be able to relate to this, but there's some of us, bless our hearts, that have it in our constitution. You get a certain amount of drugs or alcohol in our system, and it's just awful antisocial behavior. You sure. know, just some people are like that. This is that guy. Yep. You know, he, he, he was he not is. what you would describe as bubbly. Right. So uh, he was... Uh, he w- I think he had the intent of apologizing and, and it left his body very quickly. Yeah, really quickly. And so then um, we we let him know, you know what, here's, here's the thing. Uh, how about not not this? You know, we, we, we've seen this act before. Why don't you go home and sleep well, it, it involved, off? And this is something we see a lot with people who have been asked to leave the bridge and then want to come back. They don't like it at the bridge. Right. They feel we've judged them. They feel mm-hmm. uh, uh, wrongly accused. Yeah. We were yeah. mean. And, and Glenn has dealt with this so many times, and this particular gentleman was so intransigent in that, it led to, and I apologize that you cannot see the hand motions, but I feel you can hear him in the voice, Glenn with charades every word, you don't like it here. <laughs> right, right. Why do you want to come in? <laughs> yeah, right. So, well, it was funny because... It was it was sort of penetrating the drug haze. He's like he kind of gave me a look like yeah, that does seem illogical. <laughs> That's true. And then sort of the drugs reasserted. So guys, what are we doing in here? Yeah, it's like I don't, I don't, I'm not gonna be treated like this. It's like, well, okay, buddy, uh, I don't blame you for feeling. We are going to have to ask you to go. Uh, so, 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 go ahead and uh, you know kick rocks, dude, because we got to get on with our service. And he, as they say in show business, made an exit. Yes, yeah, he did. He, he. Well, he walked up, sort of walked up the block of where the the church is, uh, right where all the sweet, impressionable, directly in front of the door are. where we had the children. And, and and what he did was, well, he gave us some profanity. He spit out a monologue that would make Samuel L. Jackson blush. That's actually yeah. true. We Before yeah, the show, true. we had a rare moment of trying to figure out how we want to tell the story, and we realized we couldn't find a way to edit what he said. Yeah, right. we just couldn't give any of the words. It, it, and, of course, it has to be said, there, there are no words in any language that could cause the people on this podcast to blush. So yeah, absolutely. We, we, did, we yeah. didn't particularly care, but it was, you know, the, the young and fresh children. To, it was more of a, you're just not used to hearing that string of words in public. Right. Let alone in front of church. Uh, so, but then to to redeem it. Right. The the drug dealer doubled back up the block. To the children. Well, you, to the children. You missed one key part of, as he's spring of fanity, he found, we don't know where this came from, a volleyball <laughs> on the street. Not only a volleyball, an exact replica volleyball from the movie Castaway, because it had the red handprint on it. Yeah. As he's swearing at the children, he meekly throws the volleyball at them. And it bounces sadly to a stop before getting there. <laughs> yeah, it was like he found he, the ball beside the same place where he found the morphine. It, he there's, there's he a, managed to heave the ball about a third of the way th- of the them. distance. Yeah, that was it was uh, well, it was about what a what a abysmally stoned person would, would do. Sure. Would do. Uh, but he he shuffled on up the the sidewalk there and and uh, uttering his expletives and 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 again the the drug dealer doubled back and. And, and and made an impassioned plea to the young people, to the to the sweet Christian young people that were assembled there, and he apologized for the rude Matt, behavior. Matt, what was this exact wording? He stopped back, looked at these uh, teenage children in Tennessee, and said, 
on behalf of handsome brothers everywhere i apologize <laughs> <laughs> and it's, I think it's time to walk off it's that kind it's hard to be mad sure at that kind of flair and panache you know so uh uh, uh, uh you know we, the the truth is uh this is the kind of stuff that happens once in the most rare blue moon no i was in real time as glenn and jed were talking to this guy i was trying to explain to our friends in front of the church how insane this is even by bridge standards right but you you just don't want it to happen when when uh, your your people from tennessee are all there and they're not acclimated a, to that kind of thing yeah that's they're, <laughs> they're you know they're they're used to much more sweet and 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 uh, nice behavior when they're in church you know and then we to close this out this this gentleman reappeared yep at the end of the night walking back down the street in front of the church glaring Holding a full plate of ribs. <laughs> Here's the thing. This is Glenn, like, you can't make this up. Glenn, Jed, and I spend every Tuesday of our lives in that neighborhood. Right? Yeah. There's nowhere within a 15-block radius that sells ribs. That's no, a fact. There's definitely there, no. This was not no. a home plate. Talk about paper plate. It's just stacked with ribs. Stacked with... There's no... I. It, it's a mystery to me that makes me want to find this dude and just... I mean, there's several different things I want to cover with him. There's obviously. a lot going on. But exactly where on earth did you get these ribs? <laughs> that was I the mean, thing. Everything else made sense right. to some extent. Drug dealer, unfortunate fact of life in the inner city, there are drug dealers. Right. M- morphine. You didn't find it, but more. Okay, we understand morphine. You came to church. This all makes sense. Right. The ribs is the black smoke monster from Lost <laughs> moment. Okay. Because- That's you go, wait a minute. Hold up. Is this what science is that? fiction? Well, here's why. is because we're standing there thinking, because we serve a meal after the service. So we're all standing here thinking, well, maybe he's just hungry and trying to get in where the food is and in his... In his Which explains why he doesn't really want to be here, but he's so adamant about getting in. Exactly right. You know, in his drug haste, he doesn't know that he needs to... be nice. To, he needs to be nice in order to get to the food or whatever. And we're all kind of standing around. But he gets a plate of ribs... <laughs> Okay, that's the thing. If you, as if to taunt that's us, that's what I'm with saying. If you can get ribs, why are you bothering us? What do you got in there? Chicken? I <laughs> yeah. guess that's for chops. If you got, if you got the ribs, <laughs> then you just eat the ribs. Yeah, but he's coming back to eat the ribs in front of us. It's like yeah. if you got look, none of us on this uh, podcast advocate drug use of any type. It's it's scourge on lives. And, but, and, and but, here's why. Yes, but if you got morphine and ribs. Shouldn't you be a little content, at least in the moment? Hey, Absolutely. you know what? Go Why home. Are you about what we're doing. Yeah, go go home. Enjoy your turn on the Cartoon Network. <laughs> and, uh, go to town, man. Go to town. <laughs> Why you just? Why you say I gotta go bug some people? <laughs> gotta get gotta, up in it. I gotta find where the people are, and I gotta get in there. And bug the snot out. Well, on that Little Mermaid quote of this drugged up person wanting to go where the people are, I declare story time off. Wow. Wow. Very good. Is how we horrified a dozen children from suburban Tennessee. Here's here's the thing is that they're all still telling this story. It's one of the best bridge stories. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we ever quite conveyed the honor it is to be present for one of the top five bridge stories yeah yeah that's quite a thing well <laughs> i'm trying to think this through we have bridge box it funds the inner city ministry so that people don't need morphine and ribs nicely done
done. That's, There's some people. They see the 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 uh, the philosopher would say that we have a god shaped hole in our spirits. Right. Mm. People try to fill those with many things. Maybe money. Maybe sex. Maybe morphine and ribs. Sure. But none of that works. They need the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, they do. That's right. We want to share it with them. But we need a certain amount of staff people to do that, because as you can see, doorman is a very important role at the bridge. It really is. is. We have to train up the people who are on the door at the bridge, and so very many other things. We want to get people food programs. We want to get them housed. Most importantly, we want to get them into a nice church. And you, subscribing to Bridgebox, helps us do all that for these people Coming out of jail, coming out of addiction, maybe still a little bit in the addiction, <laughs> coming out of gangs. So we get to do all that work. You can support it. It's only $8 a month. And as a thank you for that, you get lots of cool, exclusive music, sermons, Bible studies, devotional materials, and other stuff. You can sign up at missionusa.com slash bridgebox. Morphine and Ribs is my favorite Tom Waits album. Dude, nicely done. That's a that's deep nicely cut done. You know, a great joke. Almost nobody at all got that, but the ones who did, they're like, you know it. what? Wow. Yeah, that's well played. Yeah, that's well played. Yeah, I feel like well I got played. all of that one. You really did. All right, we're gonna go to our first question here. If you hang on this all the way to the end of the show, I'll give you some ways you can get in touch with this. If you have a question, this one came in anonymously to our email account, and it says, "My boyfriend is a was a new Christian when we first started dating two years ago, and I've known about his struggles with porn for a large part of that time." You guys have talked a lot about pornography with a lot of great advice and understanding. However, many of your solutions have been for single guys who aren't dating. You tell them to go out there and, quote, start dating ladies, which is great. As a lady, thank you for that. You're welcome. It's it's nice to have some positive feedback from the people. So this is a new twist on the, quote, porn question, unquote. So, what are your suggestions for people struggling with porn once they start dating? What are your suggestions for the significant others in those relationships? And what are realistic expectations for a serious relationship and marriage? Thank you so much. Glenn, why don't you start us off? Uh, Yeah, I want to start with your last question first there. And what are the realistic expectations? Realistic expectations are uh, for... uh, for both the men and the women who are in serious, committed relationships, that porn would not be a part of that yep. equation. Yeah, that's not too much to ask. That's not too much to ask. Um, it's it's absolutely the right thing to say. Um, I I I I ought to be able to expect this would be at a zero level. So that's mm-hmm. let's make sure we're clear uh, on that. Um, I think it's important for us to distinguish everybody likes looking at naked people yep. on the old Fair internet. Point. Everybody. That's not an addiction. It's not a dysfunction. It's not a weirdness. It's not a creeping evil. Uh, there's nothing more beautiful in all of creation than the human body. God made it to be beautiful. He made people to enjoy uh, looking at the uh, naked body and whatever. But the difference is, once we get to this point of a committed relationship, we need to be able to say, yes, this person is physically attractive. Uh, so in that sense, I'm, I, I am aware of the physical dimensions of this person's body and that it is an attractive body. However, my heart belongs to this person that I'm with. Yep. So that's an important distinction because... I think it's unrealistic to say he shouldn't find any other human being attractive yeah. on the planet. 
that's not that's kind of not how human beings work but it's about where is my heart and it's about making that distinction of uh my 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 fantasy life my uh life of uh romance my life of uh you know passionate the sexual feelings needs to all reside on one person and that's the person i'm in a relationship with okay but here's the here's the problem area that i'm looking at is several times in here you're talking about how it feels uncomfortable to talk about and of course we could see how that would be i think uh as you're it sounds to me like you're moving into sort of the deeper parts of the relationship here I think we need to get open about all that stuff. Here's here's what it's like for me. Here's where I'm tempted. Here's what my triggers are. Here's what's going on with it. Here's what my struggles have been. Here's what my goals are for the future. All that kind of stuff. The problem I see is too often the, the women in this equation, and of course women can be poor, addicted to porn too. We see plenty of that going on. So we... we we want to be sort of gender neutral on some of this. But uh, in your case, I've seen lots of women say, I'm hurt, I'm wounded, I'm offended that he's looked at the porn. I'm taking that personally. And that and that's fair and it makes sense, but here's the problem. You can't help him with that very much because you are wounded and whatever. In other words, you created a scenario where... He needs to bolster you because this makes you feel icky. And he's less likely to tell you about his struggles because of what we're dealing with here. Uh, uh, By approaching it from the standpoint of, do I have the right to feel wounded and hurt about this? We're giving up a situation where we can be a team on this, where we can fight this together. So if he's saying, okay, right now I'm looking at porn two or three times a month and I know I need to stop it and I want to respect you and I know that's where this is at. And um, and I think you can look at that and say, okay, A, I expect better. B, I'm not okay with two or three times a month. And C, I therefore I agree with you. Let's get to that place. We both have the same goal. So therefore, let's figure out strategies and how to get there and work together mm-hmm. to get there. But if you say, oh, two or three times a month, I'm so weirded out by that. I'm so freaked out about it. I don't like it. I feel bad and weird and ugly and all this and whatever. Uh, and we don't, and then we end up repressing this and we're not talking about it and it becomes an uncomfortable thing as you're talking about here. I you know I feel like we're just not going to get to the guts of this thing. We're sure. not everything's hidden and repressed, and I don't like seeing that in any kind of a sexual dynamic. Well, I think it's a very interesting point. I think one of the things you're talking about there is with uh, if uh, one of the things that tends to happen in situations like this, you're talking about the gal kind of being a little squeaked out by it, is a misdiagnosis of the problem. Because a lot of times. Uh, culturally, the way women are unfortunately conditioned, a lot of that is, well, clearly if I was better looking or more sexual or something, you would be on that. It's not an accurate diagnosis of the problem. And Chad, maybe you can help us look at kind of what actual lead, actually leads to porn use, which is, may not be what we think, but also take the tack of it. As Glenn said, you have the right to expect that this isn't a thing, but it's not realistic to expect that someone who's struggling with this just turns it off tomorrow. Absolutely. But the way to get through that process is to start with diagnosing it the right way, right? Absolutely. Mm. I couldn't agree more. 
let's look at something that that isn't porn for a second because I think it might help to inform our discussion. People that struggle with unhealthy eating patterns uh, will describe the phenomenon of eating their feelings. Right. I feel mm-hmm. sad, so I eat something. I mm. feel angry, so I eat something. I feel anxious, so I eat something. I feel upset, so I eat something. Well, we, we can all look at that and recognize that's that's not healthy. You know, mm-hmm. food doesn't have the power to make you less sad or to make you less angry, make right. you you know less nervous. It's a coping mechanism, you know, mm-hmm. that you're using. We all have coping mechanisms. We all right. have things right. we do to get by. Um, but the the thing to understand is they're not, uh, you know. Uh, if a person struggled with, you know, um, eating in unhealthy ways, you wouldn't come back to them and say, I, you know, if you thought my food was more delicious, probably you wouldn't do this. Right. Because it's, <laughs> right, right, it's, right. it's not about that. It's actually, right. it's not about the food in any way. It's about a way of coping with difficult emotions. Well, that's important to recognize because that's actually true for a whole lot of porn use. Yes, mm. some use of porn is about sex. I, um, I have sexual urges. Of this is a convenient way, an easy way, a low-cost way for me to live those out. That's fine. But there's a lot of porn usage, and I think for some people it's just as much, if not more, than the sexual side of things that's about relieving stress, yeah. uh, that's about relieving boredom, mm-hmm. uh, and that's about relieving non-romantic loneliness. Mm-hmm. Just, exhaustion. Just exhaustion, absolutely. Absolutely. What's important to know here is that whether we're single, whether we're dating casually, whether we're dating seriously, or married, all of us in life need conscious strategies for how we're going to address those arenas in our life in a healthy way. Yeah. All of us mm-hmm. need to say, this yeah. is how I deal with stress in a healthy way. This is how I deal with exhaustion in a healthy way. This is how I deal with boredom in a lonely way. This is how I deal with my relational needs in a healthy way. The truth is, almost any area in life where we're not actively driving it towards something healthy, it will tend towards something unhealthy. Right. Um, you know, that's that's entropy, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the goal in a relationship is to work together as a team where both people are making sure that this person has a good strategy in place and is able to follow yes. it. Um, it would be wrong, you say, you know, you know, my boyfriend, he struggles with stress, and when he's stressed, he's tempted to look at porn. Um, it would be really wrong to say, uh, you know, uh, well, the porn is just really bad, don't do it, without also saying, look, you do need outlets for stress. You right. do need stress relievers, exactly right. but you need healthy stress relievers. You yeah. need things that will actually get the job done, that are healthy and constructive. And I want to help you figure that out. I, I want to get in there with you and I want to, you know, to, to help you do that. Matt, to go back to what you asked in terms of diagnosing the problem, too often we look at porn and we say, this is a sexual thing that's about sex and, and it needs to be dealt with. It. Sometimes for some people, it's purely about sex. That's not true for most people most of the time. Right. Um, and it's certainly not true in entirety. Um, For most people, most of the time, for most people, a whole lot of this is about other stuff. And we can and should certainly if you're married, you need to be working together as a team to address the sexual side of it. But even as a dating couple, you need to be working together to address all the other sides of it. The, you know, the stress, the loneliness, the exhaustion. And here's the one thing I would add before I throw it back to you, Matt, is we want to celebrate progress. Um, yes. If a person has, you know, stress is a really common example. If you have a person in an extremely stressful life and they're using pornography as a stress reliever, the goal is not to go from where they're at to zero porn use. Right. That's where we want to wind up and we want right. to get there as quickly as possible. But yeah. the goal is not to go in, in one step from where we are today to zero porn use. The goal is improvement, not perfection. That's right. The goal is to figure out what are things that work and make it better and more helpful and whatnot. And you guys can do that together. 
I think that's absolutely right. And Lee, maybe you can uh, pick up on that point because a lot of the um, less good advice you get on things like this involves like get one of them porn blocker things or sports and make sure he sends that to you and get all up in the accountability porn thing, which really is not really the healthiest role for the romantic partner in this. So what, what is the role of the romantic partner in this? Well, first of all, I, I love the fact that you just said accountability buddy. Yeah. I didn't and steal I feel- that from South Park at all because that shows <laughs> naughty and I don't watch it. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I didn't know that. And so that was really cute. Um, I'm, I'm thinking about the 80s. Uh, the what the the, uh, the toy from the 80s, the my buddy thing. Do you guys Sure, my buddy those? and me. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm thinking of accountability. That's not buddy. creepy in context at all. <laughs> Wherever I go, sure, Lee. He just, goes. Finish this, just finish this thought out, Lee. <laughs> you think about that in the context of the porn question. So you? here's keep the going deal. down that road. Uh, it, so the thing, the thing is, is that people get. Um, so for those who don't know, some people, the way that they deal with this problem is they get like a program on their computer that's like a gatekeeper. So, you know, you have like, you set a password, it doesn't let you on certain types of websites, or it doesn't let you use certain apps or whatever, they put it on their phone or their device or whatever. And what they'll do is a lot of times they'll give their, you know, the girlfriend or the wife the password to the gatekeeping computer program. So if you try to get around it, then it alerts that person. It's like, it's, it's, it, you know, so this, you know, the person that you're in the, you know, committed romantic relationship becomes your gatekeeper on this deal or the password holder or something like that. And there's a couple of problems with this in my view. Um, one is exactly where Glenn started with this thing, which is, <clears throat> is that you like, you know, the, the focus of the relationship now becomes about stopping this thing rather than, you know, it, it becomes you, you have like a, a negative focus on your relationship rather, rather than having a, a team building focus, rather than doing some of the stuff that Jed talked about with relieving stress, with talking about, you know, what, what is causing me to do this, coming up with actual strategies. What you're doing is everybody's just negatively managing um, the, the actual behavior itself. We're not we're not finding an actual cure for the thing that's causing this problem. We're right. just putting you in prison, yeah. which is a totally different thing. So the, you know, one of the big problems with these, with, with these uh, programs is it's just, it's just handcuffs while you're still sick, while you're still, yeah. you still have the problem completely. And, and the problem is, and one of the big problems is, the dude will find a way around that yeah. around that program. Porn finds a way. <laughs> it, it really, it's it is uh, it. Uh, I promise you, if that's your if your stra- if your single strategy is, well, I'm gonna have the uh, I'm gonna have the computer program that stops me from doing this. You will get around it. Just you, let the guilt do the work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You you will find a way around it, and um, and whether or not that you know, and 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 so now if the uh, if your gatekeeper is the person you're in a relationship with, now you haven't you guys as a team haven't addressed the actual problem in any way, but now the the failure is thrown into greater relief, which is more damaging, more hurtful, all that kind of stuff, and that's why I, I loved where Glenn was kind of driving with this idea of if you can't. Like if if you're in a place in your dating relationship or your marriage relationship where you can't um, look at the the issue because of the hurt right now and you can't deal with the you know you can't deal with the strategies and all that kind of what's actually causing this deal or whatever, 
That's why I think the, the most imperative thing for somebody that wants to get victory in this area of life is you've got to have some friends that you can talk to, that you yeah. can be honest with. And I think for the person who is in the relationship, like for, for you, one of your roles in this dating relationship is encourage your guy's time with his friends. Yeah, I agree and, with that. You know, and and not and not not to keep tabs. Well, did you guys talk about your porn problem tonight when you hung out? It's not one of those deals. It's just encourage those friendships. Encourage the friendships where this where this honest conversation can happen. Where you know uh, friendships where the dude doesn't feel judged. Where he can actually work out some strategies and stuff like that. So that you're not you're not keeping tabs on every incident of this happening. Because to me, what happens is that. It just gives you this, this, uh, it gives you the wrong focus about where this thing lands in your relationship. But when you're encouraging those relationships, then, I mean, to me, honestly, um, and, and I, I know there are exceptions out there. I'm no, I know I'm not 100% right about this, but to me, when I look at the landscape of, uh, of most guys, if you don't have some friends you can be honest with, you're utterly compromised on this thing period mm-hmm. there there's uh, you know cuz there's a lot of dudes that say well i just use this this block you know this porn blocking program it's bullcrap man it, that's that's right. not the way this thing it gets fixed you're just doing handcuffs rather than dealing with the problem so i think encouraging those friendships where you can be honest and unjudged and work out strategies is a huge part of this yeah, man. I want to jump in real quick. One final thought. Something that you've heard us say on this podcast before, and it bears repeating. If you're in a serious, like, if you're engaged, um, and certainly if you're married, this is true. You guys need to be talking regularly about sex. What yes. you're into, what you're not into, yes. what you want to do, what you don't want to do. Yeah. If you're engaged and you feel like you can't handle that conversation, do it over the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. you, yeah. you gotta, you gotta have that conversation. Mm-hmm. I bring that up now though, to say, I, I, it's important that we be clear. People look at all kinds of things in pornography that they're not necessarily interested in. Mm-hmm. That's really important to be clear. You know, one of the things that's, it's almost a cliche is the, you know, the, the confrontation between the husband and the wife. And, you know, the, the wife says, I see in your history, you've been at naughtyclown.com. Is that what it takes for you to be happy? Right. Well, that's right. actually, that's, that's a misreading of the situation. Yeah. Um, uh, at times in my life, I've looked at a lot of porn. Um, right. I'm not proud of that, but just it, it is what it is. Guys certainly will look at all kinds of things they don't necessarily uh, find sexually appealing they're just seeing what's out there right um right. so the thing is what you should not do is you should not read into another person's porn habits or or uh, what's in a browser history as this was probably what they want to see going on in our bedroom right that right. would be a mistake what you do want to do is actively talk about what yes. do we want to have going on in our bedroom right that yeah. needs to happen. You, you can't hope to be pleasing to one another sexually if you're not having those discussions. Yeah, I would say, if I could jump in Please there, do. that every line of discussion that you have about, here's what this is, here's what I like, here's what I want, here's what my desires are doing, whatever, you're cutting off an avenue of the enemy to attack. With Absolutely. each, every single thing that you, you're shining a light in all these dark corners, he can't jump out and get you and all that. The more you do of that, the better. Absolutely. Uh, the, 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 the way that this stuff goes wrong is we never talked about it, and then all of a sudden I found this. NaughtyClown.com. And I jumped to conclusions, and then the thing that's all based on lack of communication. Absolutely right. 
I think that's totally right. Um, I'm a little worried that Jed has some kind of weird sponsorship with NaughtyClown.com. He's going to keep trying to weasel that into the show, but we'll NaughtyClown.com. how that goes <laughs> moving forward. Uh, yeah, it's uh, we talk about this a lot on the show, and it's really, really super true in this situation. Um, shame and guilt don't help you solve anything, yep. and they don't help you solve anything on another person's behalf. Right. There's um, a lot of this is, as Jed's talking about, both uh, the porn itself in life just kind of fills a vacuum. That could be the vacuum of a healthy sex life, could be the vacuum of just some boredom or stress management. But also, sometimes we have a way of falling into just kind of whatever um, solution fills the vacuum. So the the programs Lee was talking about um, are marketed to be super hardcore and righteous and holy, and we talk about a lot in the show how things that seem super hardcore and are marketed that way in Christianity are a problem. Um, also people are charging for it. If they just stopped you using porn, they probably wouldn't do that. It wouldn't, yeah. There wouldn't be 12 of them that they all need to be marketed separately. So it's also wrong to, uh, as we were saying, sometimes the vacuum of, well, there's, we're not talking about the real reason this happened. So I'm going to assume that's myself. I'm going to assume that's something weird. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it seems weird. Everyone's going with it. More talking is better. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Up to a point, a certain kind of talking, as we talked about, you know, the, the exactly what kind of porn do you look at? That's not that talking doesn't help. Yeah. Right. But it's kind of overall encouragement. The healthier your relationship is, the less there's time for this stuff. And as we said from the very beginning, um, don't feel like you're not allowed to be insistent on this. It's, there's there's a line between um, being judgmental and being discerning and saying, "Hey, you're a great guy and I like you a lot, but we there pro- there really needs to be forward movement on this porn thing if we're going to get into his, this this relationship's going to continue to progress." That's fine. Yeah, mm. that's not throwing guilt. That's not being weird about it. That's not being repressed or uptight. That's just setting your expectations. And as long Absolutely. as you're realistic about them, as Jed was saying, as long as it's not you know, I want you to go into the alley and throw your monitor and we'll have yeah. a big that no that word should say, <laughs> let's look at some. I want to know that you are doing some real things to move forward on this. And that can be a once a month, once a week say, so how are things going on the porn stuff? Well, you know, I'm talking to Pastor so-and-so and we're getting somewhere. Great. Now ice cream or whatever the, the fun thing is. So sure. don't be afraid to be insistent, but uh, let's keep it, keep it positive keep as it we positive. do on the show all the time. Yeah. Our next question comes in anonymously at our Tumblr inbox and it says, why does Paul say to follow him as he follows Christ? That seems kind of weird. Why not just ask his disciples to follow Christ directly? It almost seems like it's borderline idolatry. Jed, why don't you start us off here? It's a great question. So there, there is a verse, and I believe, uh, remind me where that's found? I believe it's 1 Corinthians 11. So in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul uh, instructs people, follow me as I follow Christ. And it's a very, very interesting question off of this. But here's the thing I'd, I'd have us look at as we get started. And I really appreciate you writing in. All of us have a person in our brain that we're following, that we're trying to be a Christian the way that person is. It, all of us. There, mm-hmm. aren't, there are no exceptions to that. Some of us don't choose well, but yes. Well, and that's really the key thing. That's, mm-hmm. that's actually exactly where I want to go. Um, you need to choose super wisely on that because mm-hmm. you're going to pattern yourself after someone and you're going to try and be like them. Yep. The thing about Jesus is um, he's perfect. Um, he is at once both God and man. The goal of, of the Christian life is to become more like him. That That is also what Paul might term a mystery um, right. as to how that would work. All of us live that out by trying to become more like this dude that we know. That's mm. that's true for all of us. Every single one of us. If we're not, here's the thing. 
if you're not aware that you have a person you're patterning your Christian life after, that, that might be a little bit more dangerous because you definitely do. We, we all do. And that's true in all kinds of areas of life. You know, I mean, um, you know, you've got a, a, a person that you try to sing like. You've got a person that you try and play yep. baseball like. You've got a person that you try and, you know, talk in meetings like. You know, I mean, we, we all, we, we pattern ourselves after people. The key thing is to find someone worth patterning yourself after. Um, you're, you are going to take on both the strengths and the weaknesses of the person you pattern yourself after. That's, that's a guarantee. That's, Mm -hmm. that's going to happen. So choose wisely. Um, are you patterning yourself after a person that does exemplify things about Christ's character? Uh, put it to you this way. There are a lot of kind of basically celebrities in Christian culture today that are known, if we're going to be realistic for being loudmouthed. Mm-hmm. Um, that are known for being um, really hard and mm-hmm. um, unkind. Um, and there's a lot of people trying desperately to be just like that. But this is the thing. That's not in keeping with the character of Christ. Right. right. Um, the character of Christ is loving and kind, courageous, gentle, um, insistent, uh, uh, uh the more you can find a person who's like that, that's that's what you want to focus on. But the key thing is to be aware. Your question is, why don't you just follow Christ directly? Well, that's the goal, except no one does that. We we all pattern ourselves off of someone else. Therefore, choose wisely. And that's part of what Paul is saying there is, I would be a decent choice for you guys, so yeah. why don't we go ahead and do that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's a great point, Lee. You want to pick up on that? Yeah, I mean, as Jeb was saying, this was written to the Corinthian church, and they were a hot mess. I mm. mean, these these folks were, uh, they had a lot of issues, a lot of problems. And so for Paul to say, um, I, I want you guys to start by following me, because I'm I'm following after Jesus, it's it's really, it's, as Jed's saying, it's how we learn everything. But this is, this is a good thing, because, uh, you know, as, as much of a mess as the Corinthians were, Paul was as well. And that's really kind of a cool thing that you that you look at somebody who also had struggles and also had a past and also had a problem problems and now they're walking with Christ and so however you know however rough around the edges these guys were Paul says at one point that he was like the chief of all the sinners like of all the sinners he was the worst one that ever lived and so if he's doing pretty good then 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 doing it the way he's doing it's kind of like it's kind of like somebody that's like if you're rock climbing and somebody's ahead of you they've already been where you are and they're looking down and saying hey tell you what right over to the right over there, there's a there's a great place for you to put your hand. Grab right there, and you'll be able to make it up to the next little ledge or whatever. That's kind of the way discipleship works. That's the way the Christian life works. I know for me, you know, when I when I started learning how to, you know, when I started my job as a pastor, I didn't know anything about it, and I I wouldn't just you know read the New Testament and just see exactly what Jesus did and 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 try to mimic that because there was a lot of things as a pastor that that you don't find Jesus doing in the New Testament. But what I did was I followed a couple of pastors around. I followed my pastors around. And so I learned how to make hospital visits and I learned how to do, you know, jail ministry from them. And I learned how to do, you know, I learned how to, you know, do visitation of sick folks and stuff like that. And the, these, you know, I learned how to pray for people. I learned how to, you know, uh, to, to do counseling and listen to people with problems and stuff like that. Things that you don't explicitly see Jesus doing in the New Testament, but I learned it by watching them. And then I can go back and see the life of Jesus and see how he did stuff like that, how they are learning 
imitating that by following his example. And so this, it's, it's not an idolatry thing. It's just like Jed said, we all do it. And it's, this is how you learn the craft. Yeah, that's great. But outside of ministry, there's also just, as Jed was saying, we all follow people. We all need that. So I think one of the things Paul's, one of the things Paul is doing here is um, telling us exactly how critical that mentor relationship is, right, Glenn? Yes. I, here's the thing is, theologically speaking, what Jesus is doing is breaking down a, an old religious system that involved priests, okay? So you had a temple, you'd go to the temple, and let's say you you know, had to bring a sacrifice because you did something wrong, and you, well, what the priest was there to do is he's your go-between, between you and God. He manages that relationship. He brokers that relationship. You got to deal with the, with the priest, see? You can't take your sacrifice to some other whatever and do it in some sort of a self-styled way. You got to, the, the priest is the priest, and that's, that's what you have to do. Uh, Jesus breaks this down and says, okay, I am your high priest. I am the go-between between between you and God. No human being occupies that space. So you read this verse and rightly say, gee whiz, that doesn't sound like all the other stuff that's going on out there. But so, So that's a priest. A pastor is someone else. A pastor means uh, to, to shepherd someone. So what we're talking about with a shepherd is really what Paul was doing, which was going to churches and shepherding people. And, and, and believe me when I tell you, the Corinthians needed lots of shepherding on, on their situation. But the idea is that he would come in and give them guidance, that he would give them suggestions. But he's pointing them towards God for them to deal with God on their own terms. That He's not a go-between. He's not uh, uh, doing anything other than guiding and teaching them and instructing them and showing them the way to go. That's what a pastor is. It's an incredibly different thing from a priest. And you're, you're right to point out that the, the pastoral role, the shepherding role, is the one that, that, that God wants us in. Here's the problem. Here's the big problem. There are almost no pastors in the world. <laughs> That's the problem we have. That's totally true. We have man. preachers who preach. They give anointed words. They give a totally anointed words. We have church CEOs. We have church CEOs. We have uh, big uh, uh, speakers that do speaking things and whatever. We have musicians, we have entertainers, we have all different <laughs> kinds of uh, book authors and amazing things. That's not a shepherd. At all. That's what we're lacking. What we're really talking about here is discipleship. That's help people that help us grow in our walk. You need somebody who knows your name and is aware of your situation before right. they're able to really effectively shepherd you and, 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 and uh, mentor you in that way. Okay, uh, that's what's throwing you off. Is Paul is saying, uh, uh, as 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 Jed's pointing out, Paul is saying, "Hey, you could do worse." I know what I'm headed in the right general direction here. Yep. You guys are heading in the way wrong direction. Well, why don't you grab a hold of my coattails and head? We'll take this, it from there. Yeah, you know. Believe me, 
you're not going to get straighter than me on this thing and more squared away on this thing than me anytime soon. So just start by following <laughs> the direction I'm headed in, if you please. Um, uh, there's nothing wrong with that at all. Uh, as as these guys are saying, we, we're we meant to, and we will have people that we want to follow in our walk and that, that we respect and we admire. Christians, I love you as a people. I love you. I really do. You're terrible, terrible at picking people to follow. Lord help us. Oh, but his t-shirt so sparkly. I mean, I can go through the Christian bookstore and half of the people on the shelf are the worst. I mean, the dead last person I know you ought to be following is this dude right here. Just and you should know it from the attitude, from the from the way. As Jed was saying, the you know if you're coming with a mean spirited thing or judgmental tone, if you're looking down on people who commit certain types of sin as being in a different category and all the bad theology that goes with that, you know it ought to be obvious. It's obvious to us. It blows our mind. It's not obvious to all of you. Um, but the idea is we need to 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 carefully choose those mentors and to recognize on what basis we're we're choosing them. And it's simply this: that these guys, our mentors, our our pastors, are people who are further along and more mature in their walk than we are. Not ones that talk about our game. You understand that are living it out and and are serving the Lord actively in some sort of way that we can see and observe, and they can then help us get to that place. Here in Chicago, you have to have a guy for everything. Yep. Right. If your car's broke down, you got to have a car guy. I've got a car guy, Walter. Yep. Can't do no better than Walter. Nope. Walter's my car guy. I don't need two. I don't need two car guys because I got Walter. He's my car guy. If I got a problem with my tooth, I go to Doctor Guido. He's your tooth guy. He's my tooth guy, and he ain't never let me down. You understand? That's in other a, cultures, they call that a dentist. But yeah. in Chicago, <laughs> I got an appointment with the tooth guy. I got my, hey, look, I'm going to see my tooth guy. Some okay? people have a rib guy. Yeah, exactly. And he disappears magically <laughs> and gives you magic ribs. But the thing is, <laughs> the reason why Don Guido is my tooth guy is because he knows and has indeed forgotten more about teeth than I'm ever going to learn. There isn't anybody better that, that 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 can you know whatever he's got character he's shown that he knows how to explain stuff to me show stuff to handle whatever the situation is in the best way possible you need to find a mentor uh, in your life that can do that same kind of thing. Oh, that's absolutely right. I think um, you know it's first of all it's a very good question. We know there's a lot of things in the Bible that. Um, look pretty weird on the surface of them and you totally. got to dig in there. And this is definitely one of them. You know, there's, you, you are absolutely right that there's a lot of uh, stuff in here about, you know, don't follow Pharisees and don't follow the religion of man and this, and then, you know, this seems a little odd. I hope we, we did a job breaking down what that's for. Um, in your search for a mentor, look for someone who is trying to serve you, not yeah. get famous off you. Yeah. Right. That's important. Just yeah. uh, as we start, that's a good place to start. All right. So we move on to the last question here. It came in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox. And it says, what are your thoughts on people who claim they've seen heaven or hell? Uh, (laughs) The books Heaven is Real, (laughs) The Boy Who Came Back from Heaven, and The Latest Rage is 90 Minutes in Heaven. Isn't that something we used to do in the middle school? 90 Minutes in Heaven... I have a great joke for that that I cannot tell. All right. I'm I'm enjoying the joke you're not telling. I tried to set you up for failure and you dodged my trap. Nice work, Glenn. 
and 23 minutes in hell. For some reason, it's a lot shorter stay in hell. I have a mother-in-law joke. I definitely cannot tell on that one. Can people Make, go to stop heaven? Stop me before Can I tell the mother-in-law joke. people go to heaven or hell and come back? How do we know who is telling the truth in the Christian bookstore and who just wants to make money? Is there a price tag on it? There you go. Lee, why don't you start us off? <laughs> Lee, save us from ourselves. My goodness, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to uh, I'm going to assert a principle that I think a lot of Christians haven't even thought about before, but you seriously, seriously need to think about, which is you don't have to like it or buy it just because it's quote unquote Christian. Oh man, come on now. Um, you look if it's Christian quote unquote Christian radio, you don't have to listen to it. Uh, if it's quote unquote a Christian book and it's the hot new Christian book that everybody loves and is putting on Instagram, you don't have to care anything about it. You don't have to engage. You don't even have to listen to it. Um, I, it, the, 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 these books are not scripture. Um, I, I do have to believe that the scripture is God breathed. This is the infallible word of God. Outside of that, I'm free to make my mind up. And I don't think a lot of Christians feel like they are free to make their mind up about stuff. They feel like, well, you know, the person who wrote that song, Jed, they just, I mean, they love Jesus, so I have to like it, right? You must like it. It would you, be rude not to give this person $15 for the CD. So that's, this is the thing, is I, I very often and, and liberally uh, deploy my right to not care. Um, just to simply not read the book or not care. Here's the thing that we are lacking on this kind of issue is we are lacking a beautiful little thing called discernment. Yep. Um, which is when you hear something and everything inside your spirit starts to go, this doesn't feel right. Um, pay attention to that feeling. Um, and then a couple of years later, when the kid that quote unquote read, wrote this book comes back and says, I lied about the whole thing and my dad wrote it down and made a bunch of money off of it. Hello, really happened. The boy yeah, came uh, that back actually, No, he didn't. Yeah, that actually happened. That's a true thing. Then you can congratulate yourself on correctly reading the, the, the spirit inside you telling you, this is hinky. It doesn't pass the smell test. Um, and and if you if you feel some question about you know the discernment that you're feeling you know the 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 weird feeling that you're getting in your spirit about something or whatever, then go to someone that you trust, someone whose walk is awesome, someone that uh, the kind of person that that Glenn was lining out and you know in our our last question, somebody that is an actual you know who has a walk that you can respect and all that kind of stuff. If you're having trouble there, but what we need is discernment. You totally. don't have to engage or care or you know watch every Christian movie or listen to the, that radio station or. Or read those books. You just don't have to. And it's not disrespectful if you don't. And especially if something doesn't pass, quote unquote, the smell test, if it feels hinky, then don't engage it. Um, it, it give yourself the right to be discerning and to be, um, to be, to be heavy handed on that, on that feeling. I, that's absolutely right. Uh, Glenn, why don't you pick up on the, uh, the way this doesn't happen? <laughs> yeah. I you know here's the thing is uh, you know when when we're talking about um uh you know the uh, we're 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 23 uh, minutes in hell and whatever else and all here's the question is what's the point you know 17 minutes in purgatory yeah i mean, I mean <laughs> uh you know it, it, it's not it, bad it felt a lot longer than that it's not good it's, it's not bad it's so so 
but here's the thing is it, it's there's a lot of feels involved but what's the point yeah. what is what is what is that meant i mean I understand that it's selling books. But Glenn, if I read about what the 90 minutes in heaven were like and heaven's awesome, then maybe I'll want to go to heaven after that. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, here's what, uh, uh, let me uh, address that. Uh, the, uh, uh, the Jesus himself said heaven is paradise. Yeah. If that doesn't appeal to you, then uh, I there, we got no other way of helping you. Here's the, here's the thing is, this, is, 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 as we say, is all heat and no light. And there's a lot of uh, yeah. uh, uh, emotion, hot emotions and whatever, but there's no light. There is no illumination of the truth. There's no yeah. uh, 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 getting us looking at the things that really matter. Uh, this is demons and angels dancing on the head of a pen, and it's all in its numerology and astrology and its witchcraft and its double worshipers and it's all i mean just on and on and on all this stuff is happening but here's here's the interesting thing is this exact thing happens to paul in in second corinthians uh we're talking about corinthians chapter 12 he talks about uh, a guy in in verse 2 a man who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven and, That's the good and one. He, what I love about this chapter, uh, again, this is the twelfth chapter of Second Corinthians, is he goes all the way through it in dripping sarcasm, and he's talking about, I, you know, I'd boast about a guy like that. I mean, that guy really knows how it goes down. I'm not going to be like this guy who told you the story about being caught up in the third heaven. I'm not going to say anything like that. Instead, and this is, uh, if I pick up later on, um, verse 9, he said, I will, this is Paul speaking, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You know, he's talking about, uh, th- this is this is right after the verse where, where, where uh, God says, you know, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Yeah. What Paul is saying is, here's what I'm boasting of. God is using a total sinner like me. Yeah. Someone who has no reason for anyone to listen to him and follow him, whatever, because I have been a total sinner. God is using me. He is using me not in my strengths. He's not using me because of my strengths. He's using me despite my weaknesses. And therefore, I am going to boast of my weaknesses and say, everyone else on the face of planet Earth is more qualified to be a Christian leader than me, Paul, because I tried to have you all killed. <laughs> it doesn't get any more. I was the Osama bin Laden of Christianity. I tried to squash it out at the source. God knocked me off of my donkey with a laser beam in order to use me to reach other people. That's what I'm going to brag about. I'm not near, and he's saying sarcastically, I'm not nearly at all as holy as this other brother who's caught up to the third heaven. That's a really holy brother. 
And if you want to, you know, if you want to deal with somebody who's amazing, deal with that guy. And he, afterwards, he talks about all these super apostles. You know, you, you got to, you know, I'm not like these super apostles that come in and uh, uh, grab a bunch of money out of you for being super apostles. I'm not I'm not trying to milk you for money, whatever. This exact same issue in the exact same way is going down right then and there with almost the same exact story and scenario. It's just crazy to me sometimes how Christians can read that Bible and 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 miss that point and end up going through the same thing <laughs> yeah. over and over. You know, I think that's absolutely fantastic point. I think uh, one of the important things to pull off on this is uh, as both Glenn and Lee have been talking about. Uh, is it possible for people to have no? Are the books real? No. Let's be clear about that. But let's let's clear the premise. Even if it was, who cares? Right. What actual effect could that have on your life, Jed? That's a fine question, Matthew King. That's a fine question. The answer is none. Not at mm. all. You know heaven's good, you know hell is bad. Exactly right. I mean, you know heaven's good and you know hell's bad, and you have to take that on faith. Um, you, you, it's, it's something that you believe by faith. Um, even if some other dude got to take a field trip there and came back and lived to tell the tale, you still got to take what he's saying on faith. I mean, right. it's all... It's coming down to faith one way or the other, man. Um, you know... Um, if, if somebody says they took a field trip to heaven and it confirms what's in the Bible, neato. Uh, and if it says something opposite to what's in the Bible, well, I'm not really not going to go with you on that. I really have my doubts about this Bible, but, uh, this kid's dad says it's all true and he saw it when he went to heaven. So, uh, case closed, right, fellas? Yeah. Yeah, Jimbo's weighed in. It's way different. One of the, one of the things is one of my favorite moments in the Bible. And it's funny. It doesn't get talked about very much, but. Right before Jesus returned to heaven, there's a moment with him and Peter, and um, uh, Jesus is telling Peter some stuff that that he really doesn't want to hear because it's some tough stuff, and Peter turns around and points to another dude and says, hey, Jesus, what about him? And I love Jesus's response. He says, what is that to you? Right. You must follow me. Right, right, right. I think about that a lot, and I think in 21st century America and the 21st century, you know, connected world, I don't know that there could be any more pertinent word for Christians than that. What is that to you? Mm. You must follow me. Um, God has a life for you to lead whether these other people have had field trips in heaven or hell or not. It it couldn't possibly make any difference at all. Um, He has a calling for your life. He has work for you to do. He has hurting people for you to reach out to. And um, this stuff starts to look a whole lot like a distraction away from that. At least to me, um, mm. you know, uh, um, I think we we need to get in the regular habit of asking ourselves that question. What is that to me? Uh, mm. Is this is this uh, would this in any way help me in the following of Jesus that I need to do? Or is this going to get in the way? Is right. this just a distraction, exactly. another thing to kind of uh, take, knock me off my square? God has we're delighted that you wrote in. God has great things for you to do. Uh, God means for you to introduce other people to heaven which is uh, uh, far and away the most meaningful and significant thing that a human being can do. Um, And uh, we want to cheer you on as you do that. We love you. We believe in you. And thanks so much for the question. That's absolutely right. One thing we want to be uh, crystal clear on here is, um, seriously, no, people can't do this. And even if they could, again, Jimbo's been to heaven, he wouldn't be able to describe it because the best Paul could do, again, in 1 Corinthians, where there's a lot of Corinthians going on today, Mm -hmm. 1 Corinthians 2 says, eye is not seen and ear is not heard, nor is it entered into the mind of man. That's the only description. That goes kind of the same way in other uh, subgenre Christian books that people, oh, the end times is coming. Right. So uh, in the Bible, Jesus says, 
I don't even know when that's going to happen. <laughs> right. It's going to come like a thief. There's literally only one being in the universe, even within the triune God. Yes, the Father only. Who knows when things are going to happen. So it ain't going to be that. But, again, because there's a little profit to be made in scary supernatural things. People, there's a very particular marketing strategy that is we got people like the Lord of the Rings and the whatnot and the supernatural, and they like Christian stuff. Let's bring them together. We'll hit those together and make some of that sweet, sweet cashola. <laughs> so when you go to the Christian bookstore, keep in mind a couple of things that we talk to you about a lot. One is, what has this person done? Yeah. Are they right. an ex- just like any other book? Right. Are they an expert in the field? Let's say you're a professional television host who yells about things for a living on, say, Fox News. <laughs> I don't care about your theories about how Jesus died. You are neither a theologian nor a historian. Maybe this hypothetical person's book about Lincoln is banned from the Lincoln Library for, quote, massive historical inaccuracies. <laughs> that is not a person we should listen to on that subject. If you Maybe if they wrote how I made $10 billion yelling, and you like yelling, that would <laughs> yeah, be a good book. Go. So what have they done? And again, what's the utility of yeah. this particular information to my life? Someone says, here's what I looked all the way through the book of Corinthians, and I've been doing marriage counseling for 25 years, and here's what I learned about marriage and love. Great. Right. Yep. I need that. If somebody says, you know, I'm 25 years old, and I have a lot of deep thoughts about postmodern culture is seen through the lens of Nebuchadnezzar. No. Yep. No. Just no. I mean, if you want to read it because it's neat and you like the way the person writes, that's all cool. There are people in this world who, whatever they write about, I'm going to read it just because I like the way they put them pretty words together. Absolutely. So that's fine. But we're looking for something that's actually going to affect our walk. we got to look at, is this something that the subject matter of which can affect our walk? And is this the person to do it on? So Amen. I'm going to take you out on that. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. We've actually been talking about doubt a lot in this episode. We talked some healthy doubt, some healthy skepticism. Maybe we're going too far with that. So this is a, uh, a worship song genre that I like a lot that actually has the chorus over all my screaming doubts, which is a pretty yeah. solid one. This is a song called You Tell Me, so we're going to take out that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. To say that podcast like morphine and ribs and clowns for your soul. <laughs> Would you help me to hear you out over all my screaming doubts? Would you help me to take your word when you tell me I'm your child? You tell me Tell me when you look at me, you see it all You like what you see Tell me that you died Cause you wanted me that bad You say you've longed for me with greater hunger Than any lust I've ever had Would you help me What's unmerited My sin cannot unearth Tell me you have plans For what
Grab a seat. 